Well, good morning, Crossroads. Hope that you are nice and comfortable in your house. Uh, I do realize that some of you are probably watching this in your pajamas, but I did put on some jeans. I didn't preach in my pajamas today, although I did think about it. So, but glad to have you with us today and uh, excited about what God's going to do uh, through the teaching of His Word today. So, um, you know, as we continue to uh, go through this Nehemiah series, uh, we're going to be looking at a time today when the people of Israel realize that there is some confessing that has to be done. As they continue to read the book of the law, it was apparent that God was beginning to reveal their sin to them. Sometimes, you know, dealing with sin is not a pleasant experience. Can I get an amen? amen. Many times it's increasingly painful. And the Israelites knew this truth firsthand. And they were ready to deal with it head on. And so in Nehemiah, starting with verse 1, uh, we're going to read here. And this title of the message, Confession, a Pathway to Restoration and Revival. It says, Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. On stairs the Levites stood, Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Bani, and Canaan. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Bani, Ashpenaah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all the blessings. Now we're going to continue to read throughout the chapter, through chapter 9 today. But there's, and there's three things that we're going to see that, about confession in chapter 9. And the first we've already read in verses 3 and 4. And it's this, that the reading of God's word always brings us to a point of confession and worship. You see, last week in chapter 8, Pastor Jack uh, was sharing how we saw where the book of the law was read by Ezra to the people of Israel. And we talked about how the Bible is our secret power source and how powerful it is in the lives of believers. And today we continue in chapter 9 where we see the people had separated themselves from all the world. And they were fasting. They continued to read the word of the Lord. The book of the law for hours. I know Pastor Jack has talked many times about his times in Malawi. And how as they are teaching the pastors there. How they will go for hours upon hours upon hours. Just reading the word and teaching. And with excitement. How the folks continue to just want more and more. They just want to soak it up. They don't want to leave. And so many times. We're ready to go in 45 minutes to an hour. We complain about things, but here they were continuing for hours reading the Word, 
worshiping, confessing. And it led the people of Israel to a time of worship and a time of confession. And there's one thing that we must realize in our own lives, in our churches, and it's this, that confession is, and it always should be, part of our worship to God. Confession always should be part of our worship for, to God. The reading of the Word produces both worship and confession in all of the believers' lives. It's through the reading of the Word that we realize how good God really is. And in His goodness and how depraved we are as people. And the desperate need that we have to have Jesus in our lives. And to have that important relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, confession is a pathway to restoration and revival. And it's through the reading of God's Word that brings that about all the time. As we continue reading in verses, verse 5 and continuing through 6, all the way really through verse 31, we see one of the longest prayers written in the Bible. It brings us to our second point. That true confession always brings us to acknowledge God for His faithfulness and His grace in our lives. I can't help but read these words in verse 6. He says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their hosts and earth and all that's on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him a covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, Perizzite, Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you kept your promise for you are righteous. And he goes on and he continues to share about the Red Sea and how the Lord parted it and protected and cared for His people. But when I read those, those words in verse 6 about how you are the Lord, you alone, you made the heavens and the heavens of heavens, I, I can't help but think about the song that we sing here many times. How great is our God says, the splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. You see, true confession always brings us to acknowledge God for his faithfulness and grace in our lives. And throughout the passage there in verse 6, we see the people acknowledging God as a sovereign creator of the universe and as one who is worthy of all the worship and praise that they can give Him. And in verse 7, we see, and following, we see the history of God's faithfulness to Israel and their continued unfaithfulness in spite of all that He has done for them. And it continues on to where God gave them the promised land and how they took over land that wasn't even theirs. But yet God had given it to them because of the covenant in Abraham. 
And yet, despite God's faithfulness, despite God's purpose in their life, despite God's provision, they were stiff-necked to verse 6. They stiffened their necks and did not obey His commands. Verse 16 tells us that. And verse 17 says, They refused and obeyed and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made the, themselves a golden calf, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. You and your great mercy did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart them during the day, and the pillar of fire did not depart them at night. You gave your good spirit and instructed them and did not withhold your manna from their mouths and gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. I think it would be wise of us not to read this prayer and think, oh, well, how bad the Israelites were and how unfaithful the Israelites were. But remember that so many times in our own lives, that we're just like them. So every time that we call them out, we call our own selves out. Every time we point at their sin, we're pointing at our sin as well. Because we have been unfaithful. We've been disobedient so many times. You see, God provides, 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 and He's faithful all the time. But our reaction, our response to Him is disobedience and unfaithfulness, just like the Israelites. We often find ourselves in the same cycle as we see them in throughout the Old Testament. To where there's sin in the camp. And God tells them to turn and repent. They, they're disobedient. God sends someone to, to help them to turn. To rescue them. To help them to turn back to God. And they cry out to God. And then the cycle starts over and over and over again. How many times have we found our own selves in that same cycle in our lives? A cycle of disobedience and unfaithfulness. But yet God was faithful. God's been gracious to us all. He's shown His mercy to us. And even when we're unfaithful, God stays faithful because He is the constant. And in a time of uncertainty in our world, He is the one that we should all turn to. He's the one that we should be looking to because He is constant. He never changes. And despite all the chaos, He's still in control. He didn't cause it. He allows it, but He's in control. You see, we often find ourselves there. But God forgives us for our unfaithfulness and disobedience toward Him. Maybe that's our prayer, is that we ought to be praying, God, forgive us for our unfaithfulness. God, forgive us when we're disobedient, 
when we know the truth and yet we decide not to do it. That is the story of the history of Israel. I know many of us find ourselves right now in, out of our normal routines and our busy lives with what's going on in our world today. Our children are at home. We don't know what to do. They've got online school. We've got multiple computers and tablets in the kitchen and in the bedroom trying to get their work done. We're going crazy because there's no meat in the grocery store. But yet, God is faithful. We find ourselves out of those normal routines. But what if we, what if God was using this as a way to just get our attention? What if we used, took advantage of the time that we have and looked at our own lives and acknowledged God's grace and faithfulness in our own lives? What if we took that time as we, as Pastor Jack preached last week, and we really for some of us got reconnected with the power source, that offensive weapon that we have in the Word of God. What if families took advantage of this time and just sat down and had devotion together and had times where not only did we read the Word, but we talked about what it said. We spent quality time without technology for a while. Just to get to know God better and have a love for Him. Going on throughout the passage, we get to verse 32 and it says this. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, I love that, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardships seem little to you. That has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that you have that has come upon you, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and you and your warnings that you gave them. And even in their kingdoms amidst your great goodness that you gave them. In the large and rich land that you set before them. They did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves today. In the land that you gave to our fathers and enjoyed its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we're slaves, and its rich yield give, goes to the kings whom you set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Verse 38. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On a sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. The third thing that we see here about confession is this. That true confession is always connected to repentance and restoration. You see, the people of Israel had come together to rebuild the wall. And now they were ready to work on restoring their relationship with God. They recognized that their sins and the sins of their fathers 
They realized that this current was a part of why they were in this current situation of slavery. That it was a direct result of their sins. And they were able, they were ready to confess it. They were able to, ready to repent of it. And they were ready to move toward restoration with God. You see, this wasn't just a feeling bad for their sin response. It was a genuine confession that we read. You see, feeling bad for your sin is not really confession at all. It's just an emotional thought about our sin. But true confession is connected to repentance. It's actually taking some action about our sin. You see, there's confession and then repentance follows it. Feeling bad for your sin could be considered fake confession. I believe many people in the world, and there's many people in the church that have been guilty of what Stacey Moore refers to as counterfeit confession. The thought of feeling sorry for getting caught in your sin, but not actually feeling sorry for your sin. When someone practices true confession, their heart's broken, realizing their sin how it breaks their fellowship with God. The people of Israel were expressing a 2 Chronicles 7.14 confession here. One that we read these words, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. They were realizing that there was no restoration without confession and repentance. My friends, today, the same is true for us. Without true confession, without repentance of our sin, that there can be no restoration for us either. And chapter 9 ends there in that verse 38. I'm going to read that again. It says, because of all this, all this that we've confessed, all this, the, the history of our nation, we make a firm covenant in writing on a sealed document are the names of our princes, Levites, and our priests. You see, chapter 9 ends with the Israelites wanting to make a covenant with God in writing. This in itself is a sign of the action and the repentance of their hearts. That they were ready to take. So as we close today, I just want to ask you to ask yourself a few things. Just to talk about at home with your family. To meditate on. To really think about. And the first thing is this. Are there things in my life that I've been holding on to that I need to confess to the Lord today? Am I willing to confess and repent of those sins in my life today so that I can enjoy a time of restoration in faith with my God? The second thing that I want you to ask yourself and your family is this. What are some ways my family and I can acknowledge the goodness of God this week? While we've got so much time on our hands that we're not used to because we, we live in such a busy culture and busy world, we're some of the busiest people in the world. And we don't have time for certain things. And so many times, those things are the things of God that get left out. 
But while we've got time on our hands, what are some ways that you and your family can acknowledge the goodness of God this week? Talk about that. Go outside. Go for a hike. Experience the greatness and the goodness of God. Experience His creation. And worship the Creator. And the last thing is this. Is there someone who needs to hear God's story and your story of confession, repentance, and restoration in your own life? Is there someone, that one person that God's laid on your heart to share with? Maybe you had the opportunity this week to have a conversation with them, to love them with the love of Jesus. Everybody's got a story to tell. And if you're a believer in Christ, your story matters. Not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. Crossroads, we love you. We want you to stay safe. And we want you to know that we're praying for you and your families during this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that in times of our lives, when confession is needed, that you are open to the prayers of your people. We thank you for being a gracious God, slow to anger and compassionate. And God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in the midst of our sin, you said Jesus to provide a way for restoration in our lives. Lord, as we go about our day today, as we go about our week this week, may we look for ways to express and acknowledge your goodness. May we go about our ways and look for ways to share the love of Jesus with someone. Maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a text. Maybe just to say, hey, I just want you to know that God loves you. He loves you. In spite of your sin. And he's willing to forgive you're willing to confess and repent. In your name we pray. Amen. I can't help but believe that as you've heard Heath bring the word this morning, your heart's been stirred. And maybe you need to take a few minutes after you kind of close out of your web browser or hop off Facebook with your family. And uh, maybe even you personally, I couldn't help but Thank you, Heath, when you were talking about confession, I thought about a, a youth camp I went to as a teenager where I was challenged to confess my sins. And I actually did what, what you just read to us at the end of that chapter where I wrote an agreement out to God and I wrote down all the sins. took a lot of paper. I wrote down all the sins that I had committed against the Lord. And I remember at the front of this uh, youth group time at this camp, they had a big wooden cross and they asked us to come up to the front and bring those sins that we had written down and kind of fold it up and pin it to the cross. 
And when the speaker got through praying and we all prayed confession, we opened our eyes and looked up and all the things that he had, we had put on the cross were gone. They were disappeared. The youth leader had taken them off. That's kind of what God will do with your sin today, my friend. If you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So maybe today that's what you need to do. I, I hope as Keith challenges that you will do something, uh, have an action plan uh, to confess your sin to the Lord. We hope you have a great day today with your family. And uh, we are praying that we will see you very, very soon in person. But if not in person, we'll be right back here next week. God bless you. Have a good day.